0: chapter number twelve of the friendship of anne a story by ellen douglas deland this librivox recording is in the public domain school life seemed very humdrum to sydney and elsie after their visit to mrs tracy's but the change had been good for sydney she no longer took such a gloomy view of the situation She felt that she had made friends at Kingsbridge, if not in the school itself. Mrs. Tracy said a few words to her, when they were alone together for a moment, just before her return, which had been particularly comforting. "'My dear,' said the older woman, "'I have enjoyed your visit. You must tell your mother from me that I hope to make her acquaintance some day.' And in the meantime, Sidney, if you need my advice or any help from me of any kind, I should be so glad to do anything that I could. With your mother so far away, you might wish to talk with an older friend, older in years, I mean, than those at school. Perhaps I could help you more than one of the teachers could. Just come to me whenever you want to and don't worry about any trouble with anne i know my young cousin very well she goes to great extremes and will certainly come around in time and do everything to atone for her coldness now just wait patiently i will give you a verse to remember when friendship wields the sword lay bare the breast and wait love conquers love but hate has never conquered hate so sydney went back with renewed courage and tried not to allow herself to be affected by anne's chilling manner and the less disguised hostility of many of the other girls before many weeks came the christmas holidays to her great disappointment and grief sydney found it would not be possible for her to go home mrs stewart felt that she could not afford to let her take the expensive journey, much as she herself longed to see her daughter. There was no help for it, and Sydney was forced to make up her mind to stay where she was, and to see all of her schoolmates pack their trunks with joyful eagerness and prepare to go to their homes to pass the holidays. It was hard, as every girl will agree. Not only must she listen to their plans and projects for fun, their ardent anticipations of Christmas, but she also had to endure their ill-concealed surprise that she was to remain there, and her certainty of their criticisms. She heard Julia Clark say one day she must have a very queer mother not to let her come home to spend Christmas. The whole family must be queer, there is something, and then Julia broke off with exaggerated caution when she discovered, or appeared to discover, that Sydney was within hearing. Sydney was quite sure, however, that Julia knew it when she began to speak. On the whole, it was a relief when the barge, now on runners, carried the travelers at last started for the station, and she was left alone with the three Mrs. Wickersham to pass the ten days of vacation as best she might. It was the Saturday before Christmas, which fell on a Tuesday this year, and the pupils were not to return until the 2nd of January. Mrs. Tracy and her family had gone to spend Christmas with some of their relatives who lived in Boston and there was no one outside of the school to whom sydney could turn she felt very lonely and very miserable and having watched the barge drive away amid the jingling of sleigh bells and the joyful shouts of the girls she went to her room locked the door and threw herself on the bed and indulged in what is known as a good cry when she had cried until her eyes were smarting and her head ached and there were no tears left to shed she told herself that she might be better employed and by way of finding something more desirable to do she got up and went to the window now it happened to use a common expression but little things that lead to great ones can scarcely be attributed to chance it happened that just as cindy reached the window and red-eyed and teary-glazed idly down into the braithwaite garden next door just at that moment the little lady who lived there came into sight among the trees the garden pass had been shovelled out and she was in the habit of taking daily exercise there always before this she had been under the care of the elderly maid who attended her closely It was said among the girls that she was blind, and that this was the reason she was always seen leaning on the maid's arm. Certainly she had never walked there alone before. Sidney watched her at first with languid curiosity, and presently with more marked interest. The little lady, as she was called, was evidently in difficulty. She seemed to be confused, and after having at first walked with the aid of her cane in the middle of the broad path, was now wandering from side to side, she stepped into the deep snow, and then hastily turning, found herself in a worse predicament on the other side of the path. In a moment she had fallen. Sydney, whose anxiety about her neighbor's movements had been rapidly increasing, now turned from the window with an exclamation of dismay and hurried from the room. She ran quickly downstairs and out into the garden. Remembering the corner of the wall where she had climbed over once before, she waited and plunged through the snow until she reached it, and very soon she was on the other side, and making her way to the spot where she had seen the little lady fall. She found her still on the ground. "'Is that you, Eliza?' murmured the blind woman. "'I could not wait for you, and came out alone, and I have fallen, Eliza. You see I am quite in the snow.' "'Can I help you?' asked Sidney. "'What?' is not eliza it is a younger voice i am sure if you would be so good the lady stretched out her hands with the long delicate fingers which sydney could feel even through the woolen gloves and presently she was standing while sydney brushed the snow from her skirts and even from her shoulders she wore the scarlet cape and hood which could be so plainly seen from the schoolhouse windows and which Sydney had so often watched. "'I hope you are not hurt,' said the girl. "'The snow is very soft here, but the fall must have jarred you.' "'Only a little. I was frightened, that is all,' said Mrs. Braithwaite. "'You are very kind to help me. Where did you come from?' Did you drop from the skies in time to pick up a poor blind woman?" Sidney laughed. "'I am at the school next door, and I was just looking out my window. I saw you fall, so I ran down and climbed over the wall. May I help you back to the house? If you will be so good. I needed fresh air so badly, and Eliza was so long in coming back from the town. "'I hope you are not hurt in any way,' said Sydney, looking down at the little figure beside her, as they walked slowly towards the house. "'Oh, no! I was a little startled. That is all, and cold, for I could not get up. That is. I was afraid to rise lest I might do myself some harm among the trees and bushes. Eliza will scold me.' she added apprehensively. She will not like it at all. I wonder. Now perhaps you will do me another kindness. Or is it asking too much? I should love to do anything, said Sydney, growing every moment more interested in and more fascinated by the strange little blind woman. What would you like? Well, my dear, it is for you to take me back to the house and upstairs and my things off before eliza comes back then she won't scold indeed she will never know i have been out without her and eliza can be so severe a good creature eliza is kind as possible but at times a trifle severe so they walked along the path to the front of the house, and then for the second time in her life, Sydney opened the front door of Braithwaite Hall and went in, this time with its owner leaning on her arm. "'We will go right upstairs,' said the little lady. "'I do not need your assistance now, though it is pleasant to have such a strong young arm to lean upon.' my dear boy's arm was strong and firm i like the young ah yes it is good to be young and if we can no longer be that ourselves we have the young near us and since my dear boy was taken from me i have had no one eliza is a good creature but old so old while she talked, she stepped briskly through the hall and mounted the stairs, Sidney following. She led the way to the large, beautiful room where the piano was and threw open the door. Do you care for music? she asked in a strange, abrupt way. Tell me the exact truth. Does music speak to your soul? I... I scarcely know, stammered Sydney. I heard you play and i loved it ah you have heard me play but why do you not know if it speaks to your soul here let me touch your face she passed her hand gently over the girl's face you are too young that is it you have not yet learned it is good to be young and to be with the young but only those who have lived can understand what music is. Here, take my hood and cloak and kindly lay them in that chest of drawers beside the window over there. The hood in the second drawer, the cloak in the third, folded so. She deftly smoothed the red cloak. Now Eliza will never guess that I have been out. And now I will play for you. Sydney did as she was told. Mrs. Braithwaite seated herself at the piano, and after a few preliminary chords, she passed into a quaint simple air in a particular tempo. "'Do you like that?' she asked. "'Tell me the truth. Does it appeal to you?' "'I love it,' said Sidney, in a low voice. She stood by the piano. "'Then I shall love you,' said the musician. "'It is a Christmas carol.' a very old carol, and I always played it for my dear boy. He loved it. This is the beautiful Christmas time, and I no longer have my boy, but I can play the music he cared for. Some day I will tell you all about him. You will come again to see me? Indeed I will, if you want me, I am sure mrs wickersham will allow me to, if you really would like it i should and i think eliza wouldn't mind we will speak of it when she comes in i have heard you all in there i have listened to your young voices ah it is good to hear the young i like boys the best but you are a nice girl i am sure now i will play some more and Sydney listened entranced while the wonderful music filled the room, called forth by the slim, delicate fingers of the little lady of Braithwaite Hall. Presently the music ceased with a suddenness that was startling. In the distance could be heard approaching a heavy footstep. "'Eliza is coming,' said Mrs. Braithwaite, in a low voice. "'You needn't mind her. She is a good soul.' eliza is but so old and a trifle severe the footsteps drew nearer and in a moment eliza entered the room she was the woman who sydney had so often seen in the garden with mrs braithwaite a thick-set elderly woman of middle height with a pale square face the lower part of which gave the effect of harshness but her eyes were kind she had removed her outer garments and wore a large white apron over her dark dress. Her hair was not gray, but she was no longer young. She looked at Sydney with undisguised surprise. "'Eliza,' began Mrs. Braithwaite eagerly, "'this young lady is calling on me. I don't know your name, my dear, but you shall tell me the next time you come.' for i want her to come again eliza she likes music and you are so often busy eliza it will give you more time for your cleaning and cooking eliza said nothing but she nodded her head slightly in response to the introduction and surveyed sydney from head to foot with a critical gaze i will come again with pleasure said the girl if miss wickersham is willing and i am sure she will be all the other girls have gone home for the holidays but i couldn't i have had to stay here i must go now or miss wickersham will wonder what has become of me my name is sydney stewart her eyes as she said this chanced to be resting upon eliza the woman was looking at her mistress her face changed suddenly, and she started forward, as if to catch Mrs. Braithwaite in her arms. Sydney turned quickly and looked at the little lady. She had grown very pale, and certainly her face, too, had undergone some indescribable change. "'What name did you say?' she faltered. "'Could I have heard all right, or did my ears deceive me?' "'Sydney Stewart?' repeated the girl, wondering at the strange effect of her words. "'And where do you live?' "'In New York. In the city of New York, I mean.' "'Ah! Then it is just a coincidence. The name of Stewart has peculiar associations in my mind. "'Good-bye, my dear. Come again. I shall call you by your first name. Eliza, his name was stewart you remember i will lie down now i won't go out again again you haven't been out of doors to-day ma'am we will go this afternoon i am too busy this morning very well eliza this afternoon she turned her sightless eyes towards sydney and a gleam of amusement passed over her delicate face thank you my dear for your kindness to me good morning sydney went downstairs and left the house she returned to the school by way of the road her mind was absorbed by this remarkable adventure as she called it she determined to tell miss wickersham all about it as soon as possible and ask permission to go very soon again to see their mysterious neighbor the probability of eliza's disapproval was the only obstacle to her going there as often as she wished she thought eliza was certainly severe she forgot her loneliness and her troubles in her new interest naturally enough as she was the only girl left at the school she was thrown into more intimate companionship with mrs wickersham it would have been impossible for miss wickersham herself to be intimate with anyone, but Miss Abby and Miss Jenny were more genial. They were greatly interested in her account of the rescue of Miss Braithwaite from the snow drifts, and willingly consented to Sydney's proposition that she should go in to see their neighbor again. "'I shall go myself,' said Miss Wickersham. "'During the holidays I shall have time for it i have been intending to call ever since she came it is said in knightsbridge that mrs braithwaite had a very great sorrow i believe her favorite grandson died very suddenly in some tragic way she could not bear to live on where she had been living and determined to come to the old braithwaite place which has been in her husband's family for generations they have not occupied it for twenty-five years. She is said to be a little peculiar and entirely ruled by her maid, the Eliza you speak of, I suppose. I shall go in there immediately after Christmas, and one of you shall go with me, she added, turning to her sisters. Sidney privately wondered if Mrs. Braithwaite would welcome a call from her neighbor whose somewhat chilling manner and stately precision of speech were so unlike the little lady's own impulsive ways mrs braithwaite in spite of her years and her blindness seemed like a warm-hearted eager girl the next excitement was the arrival by express of a big box which undoubtedly contained presents from home this was of course not to be opened yet but Sydney felt it and shook it over and over again, and had almost as much pleasure in guessing its contents as she did when she really looked at them on Christmas morning. In addition to her home gifts, she found to her delight that some of the girls had left little presents for her. There was a book from Dorothy Fearing, a pretty pincushion which Ruth Carter had made for her, and from Elsie a box of her favorite caramels and a dainty necktie. Even one or two of the other girls, who had appeared to be less friendly of late, had left Christmas cards for their fellow schoolmate, whose Christmas was to be so much less merry than their own. From Anne Talbot there was nothing. Dolly had begged her to give Sydney some little remembrance, even if it were only a card or a calendar, but she would not. I am not going to, said Anne. She has had lots of chances to explain things, and she won't. I was getting awfully fond of her, and I am very much disappointed in her, and now she acts so goody-goody. If she would fire up and have a scrimmage, I believe I should like her better, but she is just pleasant all the time, and yet looks awfully hurt. It is so maddening. No, Dolly, you needn't say another word. I simply won't. For Aunt Talbot, there was no point of view but her own. She had not yet discovered that there are many ways of looking at the same subject. End of chapter 12 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen Vancouver, B.C.